And welcome in. It's the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you along for this victorious weekend, victor- victory Saturday. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But the Bucks last night knocking off the Atlanta Hawks 125-91 to in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals. It wasn't necessarily even that close. The Bucks played better. They played smarter. They played more cohesive basketball. And after the game, I got a chance to talk about it on 97.3 The Game. I remember just two nights ago, 48 hours ago, after the Bucks had blown Game 1, and that's what they did. They blew Game 1 because they didn't play up to their capabilities. And when you've got the most talented team that's left in the playoffs, bar none, you need to play up to your capabilities. And that's one of the things that the Bucks did tonight. That second quarter, and we'll go over the whole game, but that second quarter was a thing of absolute perfection beauty. The Bucks imposed their will. The Bucks played smart basketball and the Bucks throttled the Atlanta Hawks. The Bucks outscored the Hawks 43 to 17 in the second quarter. They did what they didn't do on Wednesday night. Giannis, yeah, shot a couple of threes. And really, he only shot threes when A, he was left alone, and B, when the Bucks were up by a bunch. That's not where Giannis is going to make this team better. That's not where Giannis is going to win basketball games for this team. What did Giannis do tonight? Because he is the clear, undisputed leader of this basketball team. He is going to be the one that carries this Milwaukee Bucks team to an NBA championship. He wasn't chucking it from West Dallas. He wasn't trying to make shots at Fiserv Forum from the Bradley Center. Or where fans were gathered tonight. By the way, the fans, I thought, brought it pretty well tonight as well. But they were also spilling out onto where the Bradley Center was. He wasn't trying to do that. He was staying within himself and dominating inside. That's how the Bucks are going to win basketball games. Now they've got seven wins to go before an NBA championship. And because this is Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin, and it has been so long that there's been a championship, a true, I mean, look, the Packers won a couple of Super Bowl championships in my lifetime. That's great. Those were fun. Those were fantastic. Never want to take any anything away from those championships. The city of Milwaukee has not had a professional sports championship in 50 years. This isn't Boston. This isn't L.A. This isn't New York. This isn't even Miami. Just haven't had one. Chicago, the Bulls, won six of them in the 1990s. The San Antonio Spurs kept ripping them off. Even the Cleveland Cavaliers, they needed LeBron James to do it. Even the Cleveland Cavaliers won an NBA championship. And the parades and the flowers that go along with that. We haven't had that. We haven't had a parade down Wisconsin Avenue since 1982. And that was for a team that just lost the World Series. This city is ready to explode, but it's not going to be able to do that if the Bucks don't take tonight's game 
and blueprint it for the rest of hopefully not just this series, but also the next one, whether it's against, you know, you don't want to put the cart before the horse. The Bucks have not won this series yet. They are now tied 1-1. Obviously, still three more wins to go. I feel a lot better tonight than I did two nights ago. But if they can blueprint tonight's game for three more wins against Atlanta and then take that into either the Clippers or the Suns, whomever gets out of the West, I don't think there's a team that is better than the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't. I said that going into this series. I even said it after game one, but that's why I was so upset about game one. Um, earlier tonight on No BS with Bill Schmidt, Billy and I talked about it for a little while. We we talked about why I wasn't still just over game. How do you why just put game one behind you and put game two? No, you can't forget. Never forget. Never again, but never forget. The Bucs played dumb basketball on Wednesday night and lost. They played smart basketball tonight, and that's the blueprint. All gas, no breaks. We've heard that all week long, right? All gas, no breaks. And when the fourth quarter rolled around, there was some garbage time. The final score again, 125-91. It wasn't that close. This was a throttling. This was a decimation. This is everything that you need the Milwaukee Bucks to be. This is everything that we thought that we were going to see in game one. Now, if the Bucks were able to play, and, and look, Trey Young went off for 48 points in game one. Chris Middleton went 0 for 9 from the field, uh, from the three-point line, I should say, in game one. We all know the statistics because we've talked about them ad nauseum for the last 48 hours, because they deserve to be talked about ad nauseum for the last 48 hours. If they would have been able to steal that win when they played so horrifically, You'd be talking about, well, now it's a sweep. Well, it's not going to be a sweep. But I feel so much better about where this team is now because they've. sometimes you just have to show a team success and trusting the plan and trusting what you're being taught and trusting. Look, Trey Young tonight had 15 points. 15. 15 as opposed to 48. 15. Six for 16 from the field, one for eight from beyond the arc. Jason Collins, who decimated the Bucks, both from the field and on the boards, wasn't 15, it was eight. Clint Capella, two points, eight rebounds. The Bucks throttled this team, throttled them. Giannis, 25 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Missed all three of his three-pointers, and then he stopped taking them. It's a beautiful thing to see. I don't need Giannis to knock down any threes the rest of this series. I don't need to see Giannis from beyond the arc the rest of this season, and I hope it lasts seven more wins. That's not where this team won the game tonight. They won it underneath. They won it doing what they do best. Brooke Lopez, 16 huge points tonight, 3 of 5 from beyond the arc. Helped set the pace from beyond the arc. Chris Middleton wasn't great shooting tonight, especially from distance. 
two of seven from the three-point line, six of 13 overall, finished with 15 points. Okay, you'd like to see a little bit more production out of Chris Middleton. Didn't necessarily need it tonight because they were able to go deep into the bench. This was everything that you wanted. Thanasis had a couple of points. Diakite had five points. Jeff Teague came in off the bench. Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes, yeah, you know what? He shot pretty well. Tonight, two of six from beyond the arc. Okay, that's fine for Brent Forbes. Three of seven overall. Finished with eight points. You get to clear. And Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, who didn't play at all for whatever reason in the fourth quarter in game one. Bobby Portis was a force tonight. Bobby Portis brings energy. He brings nasty. He brings just that, that spark. That sometimes the, the athleticism, maybe that look, Brooke Lopez is a great shooter and he's a great rim defender, but Bobby Portis just brings a little bit more nasty and he l- brings a little bit more athleticism to the game. Uh, the uh, talk and text line is open for your texts. Uh, flying solo tonight. I uh, know Armin Sarian, who is supposed to be here tonight, but that's okay. We're going to hold this thing down for. Uh, almost the next few, uh, well, about the next 40 minutes or so. Let's see, Kevin in the 262 texts in, this is the team we expect seven more wins to go. Here, here. Uh, Kevin in the 262, <laughs> he writes in, let's go, Armin. Well, Armin's not here. Armin got Armin got a ticket to the game. Uh, so he was there, let's see, he was there with Zabe. He was there with uh, Drew Olson, our man about town. Who else? was uh, at the game tonight. They they tweeted out a picture. Let's see. It was uh, Drew, Zabe, Kuhn. Uh, you had Josh from the Morning Cartoon Show, and uh, Armin got a last-second ticket as well. So that was our crew that was, uh, you know, slamming beers and cheering along with you guys at Pfizer Forum tonight. Uh, Andy in Belgium writes, We them boys, they be talking about bucks in six for life. Scott in Madison writes, Freak has all of his offseason to work on threes. Playoffs is not the time. I agree with that, too. It is. It, look, it's just not the time. This is not the time for him to be doing that. What Giannis isn't is a shooter. And I know that there have been a lot of fans and a lot of basketball talking heads that want Giannis to develop a shot, whether it's the mid-range shot, whether it's a three-point shot, because the thought being is, well, the more tools that a player has, the more unstoppable he is. And you look at a guy like Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan, great player, great inside presence, great rebounder, but also had that great mid-range shot. And Mike Budenholzer certainly saw that during his 17 years on Greg Popovich's bench before he became the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks and then four years later became the head coach of the Bucs. But Giannis doesn't need that to be great. He can be dominant. He can be an MVP. He can be a champion by doing what has gotten him here. Playing great defense. Last year, he was not this past season, but the season prior, he was the defensive player of the year in the NBA, along with being the two-time MVP. But when I think of Tim Duncan, I don't necessarily think, well, he had a great jumper. I mean, that's part of it. What I think of Tim Duncan is he was a champion. He was a guy 
who got, what, five rings during his NBA career? That's what I think of. Guys do what they do that makes them champions. When I think of Michael Jordan, I mean, you can think of a lot of things. You can think of Killer Instinct. You can think of the incredible dunks. You can think of the incredible marketing of Nike. You can think of his insane defense. He's the best He's the best on-ball defender I have ever seen live up close and in person in his prime, Michael Jordan. You think of Michael Jordan as a champion. It took Michael Jordan six years to win his first NBA championship. It took LeBron James seven years to win his first NBA championship. We've heard some of the, I mean, I don't even know if it counts as quote-unquote criticism of Giannis. It's just something that people say. Well, he hasn't, he hasn't won a championship yet. They've had playoff failures. Well, yeah, okay. So did Jordan. So did LeBron. That doesn't mean that Giannis is automatically going to waltz in and get his first chip this year. I'm just saying that to assume that it should have happened by now for a kid who came into the NBA at 18 years old, barely knowing the language, someone who almost went back to Greece during his first season because his family wasn't over here yet because of visa problems and he was so homesick and didn't have anybody that he could relate to, to see that young kid develop into what he is now, now in his seventh season in the NBA, on the precipice of perhaps winning his first championship. He's right on target, but he's got to do what got him here, and it wasn't shooting threes. If he wants to shoot a million three-pointers in the offseason, knock yourself out. If he wants to develop a three-point shot, I think he needs to develop a you know coherent uh, free-throw routine first that you know, doesn't draw the ire of other teams, the officials, and opposing fans when he's on the road, which, you know, has... I mean, look, I think it worked out for him in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Semis against the Nets because it put him in some sort of rhythm, and it got it, it took him out of his headspace just a little bit. But he doesn't need a three-pointer to be a champion. Michael Jordan didn't need a three-pointer to be a champion. It was just part of his repertoire, and it developed naturally for him. Let's go back out to the talk and text line again. The PellaWI.com talk and text line is open to you at 414-799-1973. 414-799-1973. Let's see, James in Beaver Dam uh, writes in, even though I think Bobby Portis needs to play more than Brooke. Hey, look, Bobby Portis, I got nothing but good things to say about Bobby Portis tonight and the way that he was deployed tonight as well. Bobby Portis was someone who disappeared because he was on the bench. I mean, he wasn't in the game in the fourth quarter of a tight game that could have used his energy in game one. Bobby Portis played 17 minutes tonight. Bobby Portis spent most of the Brooklyn series on a milk carton. But every time you put him in the game, he brings this life, this energy, this pop to, especially on Wednesday, a team that had come out flat. And the Bucks weren't flat tonight. But when Bobby Portis came in, he just brings that nasty. And sometimes you have to have that. Sometimes it's that X factor. Sometimes it's that thing that just doesn't show up in a box score. And that's what you got from Bobby Portis tonight. 
The box score will tell you eight points. The box score will tell you three rebounds. The box score will tell you three of seven from the field, one of three from beyond the arc. The box score won't tell you the full story, though, of what Bobby Portis brought this team. And the fact that Mike Budenholzer had the wisdom to use him early and often tonight shows that, boy, you take a look at it. I'm, I'm not a big fan of just burning game tape because you can learn from it. And the reason that I've talked so much about game one tonight is because that was such a missed opportunity, but the Bucks learned from it. Mike Budenholzer learned from it. I hope Giannis learned from it. it the, the, the returns would indicate that he did. I mean, Chris Middleton's a shooter. He went 0 for 9 on Wednesday. I would have preferred him take less three-pointers when they weren't falling, but he's a shooter. He makes a lot of his bread and butter from beyond the arc, and it just wasn't falling for him that night. But the Bucs also played pretty miserable defense on Trey Young as well. You don't burn the tape. You learn from it, and that's how you hold him to 15 points after he went off for 48 in Game 1. Didn't shoot poorly. I mean, shoot shot poorly from beyond the arc. He was one of eight from the three-point line, but he was six of 16 overall. That's not awful, especially when you look at uh, you know some of his mid-range shots that he took tonight. But Trey Young was neutralized. Played 28 minutes, but it was because, look, Nate McMillan's no dummy. He saw the trend in this one pretty early. He was like, hey, we've got to save some powder for game three. Back in Atlanta. But the Bucks need to steal home court back. That is job number one when they get to Georgia. Steal home court back. The Bucks are the better team. Uh, back out to the talk and text line. Uh, Steve in a bulldozer. I hope he's not in a bulldozer right now because he's... Um, well, I can't read that. Steve in a bulldozer, can I? Armin, I'm eight old fashions deep. My wife just, uh, I can't, I'm not going to, I can't, I, I can't, uh, I cannot read that. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Um, he, he was, uh, it, well, well, it was a good, uh, it was a good offer. Um, he ends with go bucks. So Steven, a bulldozer, who I hope he's not in a bulldozer right now. Uh, James in Beaver Dam writes in huge game for Brooke Lopez in the second half. I think Brooke realized he can come up on Trey Young off the screen and even gets beat on the drive. He can still trail him and block him from behind with his length. Need to see more of that from throughout the series. Kevin in the two six two writes: Are the Bucks good enough to win it all? Yes. Is this an all time great team? I don't think so. That's what's frustrating about this team is how much talent they have. The Bucks don't. Ha- I mean, the Bucks don't have to be an all time great team, do they? I don't think they do. What they have to do is they have to win seven more games. The Bucks' only charge right now is to beat the Atlanta Hawks. And if they can do that, they'll have the opportunity to beat either the Phoenix Suns or the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, I mean, are they one of the all-time great teams in NBA history? I mean, is that to me that's irrelevant? I, I that okay. You just have to be good enough. And I think this team is. Once they got past the Nets, everything started to fall into place. Everything started to, you know what? Maybe this is the team of destiny that the Bucks and the city of Milwaukee have been waiting for for the last half century. No franchise's fans should have to go 50 years in between championships. And this team is on the precipice of having an opportunity to do that. 
seven more wins. That's the only focus. The only focus is Sunday night. The only focus is to take what they learned in the first two games of this series, both good and bad, and apply it to Sunday night. And if they can steal home court advantage back, that puts them in the catbird seat. That's where this team is right now. A couple of texts before we... Uh, Here from the head coach, Mike Budenholzer, Ben in Plymouth, Tucker and Portis bring what Portis, uh, Tucker and Portis bring. uh, They put in the dirty work. The Bucks fans endure something that we needed desperately the last two years. No, no argument, Ben, no argument. That's what I mean. Look, every team needs a little nasty. Bobby Portis brings that PJ Tucker is a lunch pail kind of guy. PJ Tucker is never going to be an all star. Don't need him to be an all star. What you do is you need him to hit the occasional three. You need him to play defense. You need that veteran presence in that locker room and on the court because he's somebody who, I mean, look, George Hill, different positions. I I understand that. But what George Hill gave the Bucs before he was traded was presence. Yeah, he had some great games, made some big shots, and all of that was important. But George Hill was one of those guys who's like, look, I played in the NBA Finals before. I know what it takes to get there, and I will, if you, if, if you need someone to follow, I, I can be that guy. But I'm not, I'm not the superstar. This is Giannis's team, but I've been around the block once or twice. And P.J. Tucker can be that, kind of that, that same type of guy. I'd say the same thing about Jeff Teague. I know that there's, you know, do you want to see Jeff Teague on the floor or not? He played a little bit tonight in garbage time. I don't think he's your first choice off the bench at point guard. I want to see Drew Holiday in there as much as I can when it's appropriate, when it's a close game. But Jeff Teague's a guy who's, again, been around for a while. He's been someone who's been a role player, who knows what his place is in the NBA and accepts that. Uh, Kevin in the 262 writes, Doug, you're getting me pumped up. When I get back home, I'm slamming a drink. All right. That's what I want to hear. Do it when you get home. Get home safely. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mequon Marie writes, appreciate your postgame show. Thank you. Thank you back, Mequon Marie. Nick from Sussex. Dougie Russ, so amped up for this win. This is the team that needs to be around for the rest of the playoffs. Amen to that. Uh, Kevin in the 262 writes, this is the team we expect. Seven more wins to go. Steve from Whitewater just writes, woo, Doug. I'll take that. Uh, let's see. Andy in Belgium. We them boys, they'd be talking about Bucks and Six for life. Wouldn't that be something if this was the Bucks and Six? I'd take Bucks and Five, but you know, I'll, just take, I'll take Bucks and Seven at this point. All right, keep your texts coming in. We'll have some time for some more after we hear from Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer who met the media after tonight's 125-91 win. Mike, uh, I'm sure it's not always one-to-one, but uh, first half, 33 extra points, or 33 points on turnovers and offensive rebounds. He is led by 32 at the break. How, I mean, probably not that simple, but what was the emphasis, I guess, on creating those turnovers, pushing the fast break, and, and crashing the offensive plays? I mean, we just we talk about being active and being competitive and being there for each other. And, you know, um, good things can happen. We don't, you know, 
talk about turnovers per se, to be honest with you. We talk about being solid, being active, being ha- having hands. Um, and sometimes that is like uh, when you're when you're really active and you're really good defensively, then turnovers sometimes are just naturally happen. The competitiveness on the offensive boards, um, you know, and, and I think to run off our stops, to run off our rebounds, um, you know, is important for us. But it's not anything different or, you know, we we talked about it. We got this is what we have to do. We just wanted to play better, um, compete harder. Along those lines, uh, was that Drew maybe noticing that, that Trey may take a little longer on his follow through and running out and maybe getting some of those fast breaks? Or was that something that you guys saw in film and thought you could take advantage of? No, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, you can test threes and if you take care of the board, if you get a good contest, sometimes you can uh, – you can get a jump start on anybody, you know, no matter who the three point shooter is, no matter who the defender is. And you got to take care of the boards before you can run. Um, so I thought the guys did a good job of rebounding and having vision up the court. Um, you know, you got to find some easy ones. And tonight they're able to do that in transition. Okay. But um, just what, what do you think of Brooks ability to affect the game more? I know we came up a little bit in the drop. He was playing pass away a little bit more. Just what did you see from him that made it more yeah, he's just, you know, I think active and he's just, he's got such a good feel and good read, um, you know, in the pick and roll defense. And, um, you know, he was just, he was at his best and that's what we need from Brooke. And um, he just got great timing, great understanding of spacing, um, you know, defensive spacing. He was just um, what we've seen a lot of nights. And, and like I said, we need that going forward. I don't know exactly what you call it, but what do you think of his ability to juke or stunt or, or whatever you might want to call it? We just call it Brooke, you know? So, yeah, no, I mean, he's, you know, I, I think, you know, try and stay out of his way, just turn him loose, let him be himself. Um, and, you know, that's when he's at his best. And then Drew had talked about being more physical, making it tougher. What do you think of his ability defensively? Yeah, no, I mean, I think having him at the point of the defense, having him, you know, the guy that's, that's got the bulk of, you know, putting the front of our defense and, uh, you know, putting pressure on the ball, letting them feel us and still keep them in front um, and then be able to rebound, um, you know, as a point guard and do things there. So, um, you know, he's unique and, um, you know, we, we, we need more from him the same. Steve McGarvey. Joe, the eight two in the last series where you lost big and then turned it right around and won game three. Would the veteran team you have still be easy for them to kind of flip it in the rear view mirror going into game three and not – yeah, I mean, I think it's just we, we got to have the right mindset, um, you know, going on the road. Uh, we got to we got to win on the road. But, you know, you just got to you got to find those competitive moments. You got to dig deep, um, stay together. Um, it, it's good. The road can be good for you. It's, it's certainly a challenge. But um, this group's won on the road. Um, and that's what we need to do. Lord. How many things do you feel like you needed to fix? Uh, you know, I, I just think like our activity, you know, at times we just weren't as active as we needed to be. And so that's kind of an all encompassing, you know, word or concept and mentality. And, um, you know, and, and so I think we had good stretches in the second half. Um, I think the boards were a problem in game one. And, you know, I think that would be the other thing that stood out. Um, we got to continue to take care of the defensive boards um, if we want to do anything. But then, okay, so you're up by as many as 41 tonight, huge night. So does that mean 
whatever you thought you had to fix from game one that you got fixed. Uh, we're coaches. We'll find more stuff that we can work on and can fix, fix or get better is the word we use a lot. We talk about so. Um, you know, we'll look at the film and, you know, you learn from things where you, you're not as good and you learn from things where you do well. We got to do both. Just be more active. Yeah, we needed everybody to be more active and the guys. They were great, um, you know, and there's a lot of length and athleticism, but, you know, we got to continue to maintain that kind of defensive effort. You got to be able to do a little bit of everything. You got to be active. You got to get to shooters. You got to rebound. Um, that's what it takes to to play a good team like uh, Atlanta. And after game one, you, after game one, you, uh, well, it was you, Chris, Giannis, Drew, you all seemed more annoyed and angry about that game. How did you take that? Well, how did that affect how you all want to come out of this game and give Will such a commanding lead? I mean, it, the players, you know, I think they got, you know, they got great character. Um, you know, that, I think that's what you got to lean on. Um, we feel like we could have, you know, been better, played better, but give credit to Atlanta in game one. And you got to respond. And that's what the guys did. Mike, you're hitting on this on a couple of the answers, but when you talk about the activity on, on the defensive side, did you just show them the film from game one where they weren't active and did it become a, just an effort thing right there? Or, or is there some scheme involved with that? No, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think uh, game one was a tough game. Um, we had our opportunities. I don't want to get into the – there was an effort in game one. The guys were – you know, they were um, – doing a lot of things. There was a lot of things we, we did well, and we just needed to do more things better this game. Um, the effort was great this game, but it, it wasn't an effort thing in game one. And, um, you know, so I, I think I think the guys were were good. They were committed. Um, and now we got to go do it again. Mark Schwartz, ESPN. Thanks. Hey, bud. Giannis, Giannis played with such a fury and such a will from the very outset of this game. He just wasn't going to let them stop him from getting to the basket. What is it that makes him decide to have a game like that where he just refuses to settle? And do you wish that he would decide to do exactly that every time he steps on the floor for you? No, I mean, I think he set a tone early. You know, there's a couple of drives and finishes. Um you know, that we're kind of, um, you know, just just what we expect from Giannis. And, you know, he does do it, you know, so many nights. And, and he got to the paint the other night. He was aggressive. And tonight maybe it was even more. But I, I think it starts with our defense. When, when we can get stops, then Giannis can get out. Giannis can be aggressive. Um, but, you know, he's, he's special. Um, when, he gets, when he gets going full speed and his footwork, his body control, um, and then his ability to pass. If they bring an extra body, he'll find the extra, the open guy. So, um, you know, yeah, it's 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 the Giannis that we've known and seen a lot of nights. Vinny Goodwill, but uh, Drew is naturally bigger than Trey, bigger, longer, you know, more defensively inclined. But Trey has his knack for being able to draw fouls on even some good defenders. What's your advice for him if you don't want him to foul but you want him to be aggressive? That seems like a fine line to kind of walk. I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, part of the message. It's, it's a fine line that you have to find between 
uh, being aggressive, um, Trey feeling us or Young feeling us, the whole, you know, Atlanta feeling us. But you got to do it with a mental discipline, a mental toughness to we talk about showing our hands and, and different things like that. And um, I just think, you know, Drew's awareness, you know, um, coupled with his just, you know, his, his God given abilities. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a great challenge. We, you know, he did it tonight, but we got to go and do it again in uh, game three. All right, that was Mike Budenholzer, Bucks head coach, after tonight's game, uh, addressing the media both at Pfizer Forum and then also a few that were uh, coming in via Zoom as well. And uh, we'll uh, hear from Drew Holiday coming up in just a few minutes as well. Keep your uh, texts coming in on the Pella, uh, PellaWI.com talk and text line, 414-799-1973. Uh, our postgame show, I should tell you, is sponsored by Palermo's. When you want pizza, you want Palermo's. Made right here in Wisconsin for over 55 years Palermo's delicious brands of frozen pizza include Primo Thin, Palermo's Neighborhood Pizzeria, Connie's Urban Pie, and Screamin' Sicilian. Palermo's, Wisconsin's hometown pizza, available at your local grocery stores, including Pick and Save, Sendix, Festival Foods, Piggly Wiggly, and Woodman's. Of course, uh, coming up on Sunday night at 7.30, it'll be Game 3 as the series shifts back to Atlanta uh, for Game 3. I'll be on the post-game show, Billy Schmidt, uh, from... Uh, both the Drew and KB show, as well as his own program, No BS, uh, from 6 until 7, will join me on the program as well. Hopefully talking about the Bucks stealing home court advantage as well. Back out to the talk and text line. we got some new messages that uh, have rolled in. MK in Mesa, Arizona. Awesome win for the Bucks. This, as you said, was how we expect the Bucks to rock. Let's spoil a sweet win by talking about Malcontent Hill. Go Bucks in 6. Uh, in the 9-2-0, Ben in Plymouth says, I don't know if Atlanta can match up with Holiday and Giannis very well. And if we win with Armin in the Deer District, the Hawks are done with him in the forum. That's uh, that's probably <laughs> that's probably fair uh, as well. I've got some tweets that came in as well. You can always follow me on Twitter and send me a tweet, very simply, at Doug Russell. That's just my name, D-O-U-G-R-U-S-S-E-L-L. Trigger Ray writes in, hopefully this shows them that they have to try and not just show up. I feel like they may have thought that the series was going to be a sweep just by showing up. Yeah, maybe. The way that they played in Game 1, Mike Budenholzer talked about the effort in Game 1. I don't necessarily fault the, and this is radio, I apologize, air quotes, effort in Game 1. They just kind of, they didn't execute, and they the effort was there, but the smart basketball play wasn't. I think that they did things. They, they didn't guard. Um. Uh, Trey Young very well in game one, and he went off for forty-eight points. They bottled him up for fifteen tonight. But sometimes you see effort, and it's just guys running around in circles. And I think we saw a lot of that on Wednesday. Giannis trying to chuck threes. Chris Middleton going 0 for 9. I think the effort was there, but the execution and the game plan was just so out there that it didn't manifest itself into a win. That, to me, was the biggest difference between Game 1 and game two. Uh, let's see. Steven writes in, sweep the leg. I like that. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Um, Jerry writes in, I'm just going to slide in and say go Bucks with a gif of Chris Collinsworth sliding in. 
Uh, let's see. Wolfman writes in slaughter. Thank you, Wolfman. Uh, Phil says, yes, but it, this was uh, near the end of the game. But in my world, a big question remains. Will they bring back uh, happy and you know it at the end of the game? Uh, they did play. Are you happy? And you know it at the uh, end of the game tonight as well. All right, let's go back to Pfizer <laughs> forum. Uh, Bucks point guard drew holiday after the game was over met the media. Um, came through big, came through big in, in times when we had momentum and it kind of seemed like they, maybe they, uh, scored a point or two, but he came through with big blocks, um, protecting my back. Uh, Trey's a, a great young, young player in this league and, and he's hard to guard. So, uh, league and beat Trey. I mean, uh, Brooke is always there to, to protect my back and, and everybody's back. Uh, so he did a great job and then he shot the ball well tonight, um, rebounded well. Uh, that was kind of a point of emphasis for us and, and. You had a great game. Just what did you think from your perspective of what you're able to do better against Trey tonight? Um, I think just mix it up, make it difficult for him, um, not not get too many easy looks. Uh, last game, he was living in the paint, um, had a lot of floaters. Uh, those were pretty much layups for him. So uh, we didn't really want that to, uh, to, to get him started early. And then um, I don't think he went to the free throw line much tonight, uh, which is also pretty big for us. Uh, for you, just what did you see on that week out? I know he holds his follow through when he ends up taking those from you. Is that something you and the coaches have talked about, or was that just something that you said, hey guys, like we can we can get that if I go? Pretty much, we can get it. Um, first, we have to secure the rebound, so that's probably uh, up to the up to the bigs here to 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 grab that. But at that point, um, Trey is holding his follow through and. Um, and those misses, uh, especially long shots, sometimes they can be they can be long. So I can't leak out every time, but uh, a couple of those I got. I got we made some good plays. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I guess. I mean, it, for lack of a better word, it sounded like you were just annoyed. I guess the post game, yes, the other day at practice, with just how it went in game one. Um, was that kind of the feel to a degree? Because when you talk about like rebounding and defensive effort, some of those things that feels like a controllable on, on your guys' part. Did, did I, was I reading that right, that maybe after that first game, no disrespect to Atlanta, but it was like you guys maybe felt you left some stuff out there. We did. Yeah. Um, we, we definitely felt like there were things that we could have done better. Um, uh, obviously, going back and looking at film, there were uh, a lot of mistakes that could have been corrected or, like you said, were in our control. So that was something that we felt like was uh, – a key point of emphasis, especially for this game. And uh, again, we know what kind of team they are. They, they play fast, they have a lot of weapons, um, but at the same time, if they're missing, there's gonna be long rebounds. John Collins and Capella out there um, rebounding gave them a boost and we felt like we take care of that. We have a pretty good win, uh, chance of winning. So far, <clears throat> two questions. The first one is, um, do you feel like you have to be a scorer in this series? Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I think that um, especially playing with Giannis and setting the screen and roll, they, they worry about him so much. So kind of when I get downhill, I have to make a decision. And, and for the most part, they're always going to build back to Giannis because of how effective he is in the paint. So uh, I, do, I do feel like I have to switch. And then I, I don't know if you've been asked this on an off day since it came out, but but committing to Team USA like you did in the middle of this intense playoff run, um, and you might make the finals, and that, that could go on. Like, how, how hard of a decision was that for you? And, and was it hard to to have to 
move your focus at least for a minute away from the playoffs to think about that? Um, I don't think I had to move my focus. Uh, I think it's an honor to play for your country, um, especially an opportunity like this to be able to go out there and, and have USA on your chest. Uh, also, my wife played, has two gold medals. Um, I've, I've experienced it from a fan standpoint, and I thought it'd be cool to experience it from actually playing. Um, but I think I, I've, I'm always focused on this immediate. What, what, what's happening right now has been my main focus, and uh, it's going to continue to be that. And if we end up going to the finals or whatever happens, uh, up until that point, this is this is what matters. Yeah, Phil, Drew, I know you mentioned or addressed your, your defense against Trey, but how, how was the team defense different tonight compared to game one? It was great. It was a group effort. Um, I think we all tried to help each other. Um, we tried to kind of clog up the paint as well as take away threes. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, multiple rebounds. Two guys on Capella um, fighting, fighting Collins. Um, really just being able to to find bodies and hit them and, and kind of space them out and, and, and go from there. Uh, but defensively, I think we did a, a, a very good job of playing for each other, which, again, with a team with so many so many shooters and scorers, that's going to be huge. Malika Andrews. Hey, Drew, after, after last game, you were talking about physicality and how you thought you could potentially be more physical with Trey, but it's also a balance defensively because he is a smaller guard. Can you just w- w- assess how that was for you tonight and maybe what was different there specifically with the physicality? Yeah, um, I think I played smarter tonight. Um, I, I played smarter than I did last game. Uh, there are times where I, where, I, where I need him to, or I need to be physical with him, and there's other times where, um, I want him to think I'm going to be physical and, and I'm not going to a screen or uh, I know he does the thing where if you come off and he jumps back into you, um, just certain things like that, point, kind of playing that game. Um, but I think I was definitely smarter tonight, smarter than, than uh, how I played in the first game. Yeah, I would agree as well. That was Drew Holiday after the game tonight. Drew Holiday, 22 points, 9 of 14, shooting from the field, 3 of 4 from beyond the arc. But shooting numbers, is that's execution. That's not smarts that's it's not effort but it's playing smart basketball and drew holiday tonight played smart yes he executed better but those are two wildly separate things in all honesty defensively the bucks were so much better tonight than they were on wednesday night in game one they didn't let the atlanta hawks really do anything the hawks only had tonight Two, I'm sorry, three players that scored in double digits, and Trey Young led the team with just 15 points after going off for 48 the other night. Jason Collins, 11 points, eight rebounds. He was contained. Danilo Gallinari, really good player coming off the bench. Just 12 points tonight. Four of seven shooting, but he was bottled up. One of four from beyond the arc. If you leave Gallinari alone, Gallinari is going to kill you. The Bucks didn't do that tonight. And again, I'm always going to go back to that second quarter. That second quarter, to me, that's where this game was absolutely won. This game, yeah, I'm just going to say it. It was over by halftime. This game was over by halftime. The Bucks outscored the Hawks 43 to 17 in the second quarter. Now they outscored them in the first quarter 34 to 28. Both teams were kind of getting out and and getting their shots and they got off to a fast start. But the Bucks led 77 to 45 at the break. 77 to 45. 
you're not going to come back from that. And I already know the Hawks came back a couple of times against the 76ers in the Eastern Conference semis. They came back from a 26-point deficit in one of those games. So while it would have been easy to say let up off the gas a little bit, the Bucks did that on Wednesday night and got burned for it. Garbage time didn't really officially start until the start of the fourth quarter. And when it starts that early, oh, baby, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, Brooke Lopez tonight in uh, the ball game against Atlanta. 16 points, 6 of 8 from the field, 3 of 5 from beyond the arc. He played a really solid game offensively as well. He met the media as well after the ball game in the media room. That matched what you guys maybe wanted to do with some of the offensive boards, mm-hmm. some of the turnovers. Can you speak a little bit about his impact early in, in, in this game? Yeah, I mean, that, that's how he's been changing things since he got here. He, he did such a great job of that tonight. Uh, and he really, I think, you know, just gave us energy from the get-go. And it just uh, kept going. You know, everyone everyone fed off that. And it, we wrote it for the full 48 minutes. Um, I'm guessing that's a lot what Bud meant earlier with activity, right? And, and I, I guess when you're watching that, is it, is it just hands? Is it anticipating passing lanes? Like what, what do you think PJ was maybe seeing early or you guys were seeing early? Yeah, yeah. Just, just um, making them a little less comfortable, you know, getting them out of their comfort zone, being in passing lanes, like you said, driving lanes, having hands up all of us communicating, talking with one another and kind of being on a string and having that connection uh, and just being a bit more of the aggressor, both off, uh, on offense and on defense. Uh, uh, at the beginning of the second half, there was a shot clock violation for Trey Young and you were mainly guarding him alone on that one. Can you take me through being out kind of on an island on your own trying to guard him? You know, I just wanted to make things difficult for him. You know, I tried to, you know, have hands like you said. Um, and, and knowing that I had four guys behind me is just so big, you know. So we're all out there just trying to make things as difficult as possible, as tough as possible for their team. Uh, Eric, hey. hey, um, for you, uh, Buddy talked about how what you do when you're stunting, juking, whatever you want to call it, it's just broke. Like there's not a name for you that you guys have for it. It's mm-hmm. just letting you be you. How how freeing was that tonight? And just how good did it feel to get the chance to be more aggressive and maybe play passing later? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously game one gave us uh, – they played really well, and it, it kind of gave us a feel for, for you know, what they were going to do uh, in person. But you know, again, I just I just have to continue saying it just helped. It helped knowing that the help was back there, and that was something that, you know, we went through and shoot around and went through and film just knowing that the V back or whoever's going to be there with Capella or Collins, and that you know frees up myself or Bobby or whoever you know in the pick and roll to be a bit more aggressive, be up and mess with whoever's coming down trying to make a play. Do you do you find it fun? Like that, yeah. that game, like that yeah, game yeah, definitely, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all about activity, you know, and uh, that that's definitely a point in the game where I can try to have an impact, be be uh, someone who can make a difference in the game, you know, and I, I definitely enjoy that. The help guys, I know you guys brought the help a little bit higher in that 
dribble kind of mm-hmm. zone portray. What yeah. kind of impact do you feel like that had in making him feel less? Good? It's huge. You know, he just sees more bodies, sees more hands, and he's he's not getting downhill like he did in game one, where he's really in his comfort zone. He can get to his floater, which is so similar to his lob. Uh, and, you know, then see guys on the perimeter as well. It's it's night and day. That was Buck center Brooke Lopez after the ball game was over. Here's his teammate, Giannis Adetokounmpo, who finished with 25 points and nine rebounds. Giannis, I don't know if you caught this, but your, uh, the free throw stuff was, again, a, co- a topic of discussion today. And to me, your friend Eric here uh, disagrees, but I thought you were quicker tonight um, at, at the foul line. Did you make a, like a, a conscious effort to, to try to go quicker? No. No, it was uh, usually that take eight to nine seconds. It's always a uh, borderline, you know, ten seconds. And uh, you know, when uh, you know my coach staff told me to do, like speed it up, I know that maybe I'm around ten. So or sometimes the referee talks to me and tells me like you gotta speed it up. So um, then I make an effort to maybe take it a second or two seconds faster. But uh, my mindset going to this game was still do my routine. Get as many dribbles as I can, um, get my breath, and um, just shoot, shoot my shot. Uh, oh, uh, after game one, you seem so calm in the post game. Like I've seen other players where if they dropped game one at home, they'd be a little bit more frustrated. But you kind of like just go to game two, they played a good game, and then you all come out and play well tonight. How much of that attitude from you and other players dictated how well you played today? Um, you know, obviously, I was calm. It wasn't the end of the world. But uh, if we had lost today, I'd be a little bit more nervous. But, uh, I, you know, I trust my teammates, uh, trust what we are, uh, our habits. Uh, I think everybody's on the same page. We know what we what we got to do, um, and um, everybody knew that we got to come in here and get this game. You know, so and uh, that's what we did from uh, the first uh, position of the game. But we took it each possession at a time. So we're trying to get one stop at a time and make try to make as many stops as we can possible for the entire game, and uh, that worked in our favor. But at the end of the day. Uh, you know, these days, the guys' hands, you know, there's got to be some urgency, but you got, it, you still have, have to enjoy the fact that we're here, you know, because we worked extremely hard to be in the last four teams standing. Uh, but, you know, not going on the road, obviously, there's going to be some urgency. Uh, we're going to try to play good good games, good basketball, and uh, we're going to try to have some finals. Fast break points in the first half. I know Drew trying to you know, leaking out at times. If the big's got a rebound. He said, "How? I don't know if that was an emphasis, but how important was it to get out and get running?" Very important. Very important. Uh, they 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 crash they crash board, you know, um, and they play fast too. And uh, they shoot a lot of long threes, so the rebounds are always long. So you have a lot of opportunities that you can. You can run, and uh, we want to play fast. We play fast, but smart at the same time. And uh, we were able to do that tonight. Hey, um, I don't know that I've seen you throw the deep ball in the true before. What gave you the confidence to throw it? Tonight? Yeah, he was wide open. He was wide open. And um, the way when I had the ball, it was easier to 
throw. Usually, you know, uh, my first steps, it's like a dribble, but when I, when I had it, I was, it was easier to uh, deliver it to him. Um, for you, you and Brooke are different people, right? Yeah. But when you see him play the drop and do the, the jukes or the stunts or whatever you want to call it, where he's kind of playing. Unbelievable. Different. He was unbelievable. Like, a lot of people don't give him credit, but he was unbelievable, especially in the first half. And he was playing on the drop, and he was like back and forth, and he was going for the blocks and all that. He was protecting the rim. He was, he was unbelievable. We need him to do this, to keep doing this. I don't even know if it's something you could pick up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, have yeah. you, like as, as you watch them, have you seen? Dif- different uh, different uh, bodies, different skill set. Um, but in that game plan, I'm a switch. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not on the, in the drop. So usually when I'm in the drop, it's harder for me. It's way harder for me. It's built like 7-1. But, um, but in this uh, series, uh, moving forward, uh, I don't know what the game plan is going to be, but tonight the game plan was a switch for me. So I just switched up to try to keep guys in front. So I wasn't in that position. Uh, for you, just watching Drew defend as well, I mean, obviously he was making a lot tougher on Trey. Um, but for you guys, you're talking about the healthy guys being in the dribble lanes a little bit more often. How do you feel like that made an impact? On oh, definitely. Guys? Definitely. Like, it just uh, crowds, crowds the whole space for everybody. Um, and we we have that's like we have to do our job. At the end of the day, Drew is picking up, picking up Trey full court. So we gotta be behind him. He gotta know that the help behind him. We gotta know Brooke, me, PJ. We we right behind him, right? So it's the least we can do, you know. So, uh, but I think that really makes a big difference. Like showing, being in driving lane, showing uh, help, and making other guys. Make the play so he can pass the ball. Um, Steve? Yes, just the turnovers, all right, but more particularly the first half, was it just more aggressive? Start? How are you able to do so much of a better job of forcing turnovers and get the We're just trying to keep him in front, make them make a play. And uh, as I said earlier, we were like, we were in passing a lot. We show. We try to show helps. We try to show length. Uh, just make the place crowded. So uh, when you when you're active and you're ready, good things happen, and uh, we're able to uh, get some get some steals. Jeff, and then we'll go to Erica. Yeah, you just said it. How towards you about It's important to try to enjoy this since you're one of four teams left. Between the end of game one and the start of game two, what was enjoyable for you? How did how did you enjoy what you needed to do to get ready? I, if, for me, like the way I think about it is that like, I've been I'm gonna be doing this for a long time, you know. So I gotta I gotta enjoy each game, and uh, this is my second time being the Isaac fans and playing in uh you know packed arena, uh, people that you know love us and support us and cheer for us. It's it's enjoyable, you know, and also there's uh, there's um, uh, enjoying factor when you go on the road and everybody's booing you and everybody's counting one two three four like you know there's enjoy you can enjoy that too. So what I try to do is enjoy each each moment. Uh, you never know when this is going to be taken away from you. Um, you can never take that for granted. And uh, as I said, I'm going to be doing this for a long time. So if I don't enjoy it, yeah, it's going to be tough for me. 
Malik Andrews. Hey, Giannis, I, I have two for you. First, Drew was talking about the fact that he felt like he was just smarter on defense defending Trey tonight. I'm wondering what, what it means to you to have a teammate who takes his assignment so personally and so seriously to improve from game one to game two. It's big. He, he did a great job. He did a great job. He said the tone defensively. You know, when you see your point guard picking up full, now you're, you're behind him. You're ready. You're ready to go. And, um, man, he did, he did an unbelievable job. He he forced him into turnovers. He, he made it as tough as possible. He made them play deeper into the clock. So when they were coming down, it was eight, um, 18, 17, 16. So uh, we need that from him. We need, it, need him to keep doing that. And uh, he definitely helped the team a lot. And then for just like from you guys from game one to game two, the Hawks are saying similar things. And you guys, we need to make adjustments. We know we can play better. Do you uh, sort of race for and look at what they might do? Or do you just look back at what they have done? Or do you look at the possibilities of what could change? Does that make sense? Um, that's, what, that's for Coach Bud. You know, obviously, we're going to watch film tomorrow. Uh, we're going to see what we did better from game one to game two. And we got to keep doing that and do it better to game three. Hopefully, that's in the back of your mind what they might switch. But at the end of the day, we got to focus on ourselves and how can we get better, you know, and uh, put ourselves in a position to win to win a game. But we got to keep getting better each game at a time. And uh, from game one to game two, we were better. We're happy about that. Hopefully from game two to game three, we can be better. Giannis Adetokounmpo, who led the Bucks with 25 points, nine rebounds, and six assists. He played in 29 minutes on Friday night. Finally, we wrap things up with Chris Middleton, who certainly shot the ball a lot better on Friday night than he did on Wednesday night, but finished with 15 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 2 of 7 from beyond the arc in 28 minutes. For, for you, uh, tonight you were 2 of 7 from 3, 6 of 13 overall, and, and you know you shot last game. Do you feel like you're working through something right now offensively with the ball in your hands? No. Simple as that, no. Uh, I'm going to make some, miss some, sometimes more than the others, but some nights. Um, but, you know, just keep playing my game. Continue to, to trust it, um, whether it's the shot, whether it's the pass, whether it's the drive. Um, yeah. Steve? Uh, Trey was saying just now that he thought Don Rolock wasn't necessarily a schematic change, but Don was a lot more aggressive on defense tonight. How much of an emphasis was that? And how much did you feel you all that paid off? Do you feel you were a lot more aggressive? Yeah, that was a huge key from game one to game two. Um, game one, you know, they were able to get wherever they want. Uh, on the court. Trey was getting in the paint, folders, lobs, um, and then getting everybody else involved. So tonight we wanted to set the tone, uh, just make sure they weren't going to be comfortable. Um, you know, we wanted to be physical with them, do without fouling, of course. Um, that was just the main message tonight. It's just uh, the aggressiveness that uh, we didn't have from game one needs to be here game two. Eric, uh, for you, have you gotten a chance to go against Brooke when he does all, like when he's in the drop, like in a practice or a scrimmage, uh, and he's maybe coming at you, maybe dropping back. Like, have you gotten a chance to go against that? Yeah, for sure. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> you know, people don't realize how massive that guy is. I mean, he's a seven footer, but you feel him around when he's uh, around the rim on the court, even when, when he's on the perimeter sometimes. I mean, I don't think people realize how big he is, how athletic he is, how much ground he can cover. Um, and he's athletic. So, um, that's why I love it uh, when he's on our side um, during games, not in practice and whatnot. Uh, 
with him doing so much, how did it kind of feel for you guys to be able to help him? He said, like, you know, like you guys in the driving lane, like helped out. Like, what is kind of your mindset to be able yeah. to help him? Um, we told him we want him to be aggressive. So with him being aggressive, we have to have his back. We have to try to make uh, life as easy as it can for him um, because his job is hard. Um, he's got to cover so many mistakes. He's got to be able to guard the pick and roll. And then somebody drives, he's got to have our back. So at the same time, we got to have his and knowing that, you know, we, you know, maybe show a crowd a little bit more, um, uh, stun at the ball a little bit, a little bit more also. It makes his job a lot easier um, to, to retreat and get back to the rim to a normal spot. Forgive me, I don't know exactly where you were on the floor, but did you get a chance to see Giannis' spin move with the, with the Yeah, no, nah, I was at the top. I, I ain't never seen that from him, even in the one-on-one days that we play. Um, uh, he saved it for the right time. Uh, that was a hell of a move. It's got to be top 10 of all time. Uh, Jim Rowe, and then we'll go to, we'll go to uh, Chris, I, just from a shooter's perspective, I know you can't speak for, you know, Bryn, Pat, or Bobby, but when it, when the shots finally go in, right? I mean, those guys have, have had some struggles here. Like, what what can, what does that mean in that moment? And then now even spin it forward the next time they're out there? Because it, it's been a bit. Yeah, no, it definitely feels good. Um, when you see one or two go in, it gives you that confidence to fire the next one without really hesitating and thinking. Um but we definitely don't need those guys. Uh, they're both great shooters. Um, they're both great players. Um, the more they hit shots, the more they take shots. It's going to open things up for everybody else. So we need them to stay aggressive. Um, Mike says, or Bud said that you guys don't really like talk about turnovers or forcing turnovers. It's just sort of a result of, of things. But tonight, I mean, there was over a dozen in the first half that led to 20 plus points. So what did you guys notice something going in? That you're like, we can take advantage of this, or was it just just seeing and nah, being more active? No, nah, it wasn't, uh, you know, talking point to create more turnovers. Just we wanted to put pressure on them, um, you know, be aggressive. Um, those end up being turnovers, getting steals, getting down the passing lanes, um, you know, making them make bad decisions with the ball, basically. That's what we were trying to do, just being aggressive with our pressure. Joe Carter? I asked drew the same thing, but I know for you it's a little different because you were on the China team in, in 19. Um, but committing to Team USA while you're still in the playoffs and you very well could end up in the finals, um, how hard was that for you to have to think about something like that and committing to something like that while you're also in the middle of something so serious like a playoff? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, like you said, we're in the middle of a, a championship run. Um, but to you know, take a second uh, to think about something outside of this season. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it was a little tough to think about it, but it was an easy decision for me uh, to go ahead and commit. Um, you know, everybody wants to be an Olympian. Everybody wants a chance to win a gold medal. Uh, so far as the choice, it was easy. Um, but trying to distract myself from that um, was a little bit challenging. But to get refocused um, and focus on the task at hand right now uh, is the most important thing I need to do. Lincoln Andrews. Chris, Drew said he felt like overall he just played smarter tonight when he was defending Trey. I'm wondering when he's balancing being physical but playing smart, how does that kind of set the tone for the rest of the team's defense and elevate you all? You know, it gives us the confidence to do the same. Um, you see him working hard. We see him pressuring Trey Young, uh, who's so good at, you know, drawing fouls and whatnot. Uh, it just gives us the confidence to go ahead and do the same, not, not say he's going to put in all this hard work and, it's going to be easy for somebody else. Uh, we see him pressuring, so it tells everybody else we have to be up with him. We have to be there talking for him. We have to have his back. Bucks forward Chris Middleton, who finished the night with 15 points on 6 of 13, shooting 2 of 7 from beyond the arc in 28 minutes. 
on the floor. All right, that'll about do it for this edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. It is a victory Saturday, I suppose, depending upon when you're uh, tuning into this particular show. And this is what we're going to do. We're just going to kind of follow the Bucks' run uh, over the course of the next, hopefully, couple of weeks. We'll next talk to you on Monday morning after Sunday night's game at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. Uh, after the game, again, uh, you heard most of my show tonight on 97.3, the game. Uh, that's where uh, we'll be talking about the game on Sunday night when uh, when Bill Schmidt uh, joins me on the program. And hopefully we're talking about the Bucks stealing home court advantage back. That's the goal. And look, this is a team that is capable. This is a team that I think, as I said during the show, for my money, this is the best team in the NBA. They didn't show it in Game 1. By a long shot, they didn't show it in Game 1. But then they righted the ship, and they did everything that got them to this place in the first place, and they imposed their will on a very good Atlanta Hawks team, a team that shouldn't be slept on, but also a team that's still very, very young. And that's not, you know, Trey Young, again, struggled a little bit, especially from the field, shooting just 6 of 16, 1 of 8 from beyond the arc, finishing with 15 points as opposed to 48. All right, hit us up on our socials if you would like to. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doug Russell Pod. You can also find us on Facebook. You can search for us on YouTube. But uh, for all of our shows, all of our downloads, they're all free to you, www.dougrussellpod.com. And again, hopefully we're talking about a big bucks win on Monday morning when we reconvene. We'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend. This has been the Doug Russell Podcast.